What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of What the Funk. I am Elena and this is where we tackle health, hormones, and healing without losing your damn mind. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of information out there and sometimes you just need it given to you straight, you need it condensed, and you need some no-nonsense solutions to your problems. And that, my friends, is what I am here for, to try to provide just some more information and support to this wonderful community so that people can live the lives that they are meant to live. And you are not meant to live a life where you feel like shit, (laughs) basically. All right. So today we're talking about low stomach acid because your antacid is probably making it worse. What? Okay, so I need to back this up because I feel like this is a common story that a lot of people have. You go, you're having some tummy issues on a pretty consistent basis. You pop into the doctor and they go, huh, looks like you might have some maybe acid reflux. Take some omeprazole or take this whatever, or maybe you're popping Tums like they're freaking candy, right? Like, let's be real. We've all been there. I've been there. And it's time for us to do better. So here's some fun facts that we need to know about stomach acid is that a lot of times that heartburn or those issues with our stomach acid is not due to an overabundance of acid. It's actually due to low stomach acid and low stomach acid can lead to a lot of bloating, a lot of abdominal pain, gas diarrhea and constipation. Um, It can sometimes result in sort of undigested food in your poops, (laughs) if you've seen that happen. Um, And it can also result in reflux or heartburn. And you're going, well, Elena, if it's low stomach acid, why is it giving me heartburn? Isn't that like an overproduction of stomach acid? Yes and no. Okay. So here's the fun thing is a lot of times when it's an overproduction of stomach acid, There's usually, and I say usually very loosely, so take, you know, that with a grain of salt. Um, Typically, when I see people who truly are having stomach acid getting out into the wrong place, regardless of us doing all the right things, there's usually some kind of physiological issue going on with like maybe an esophageal hernia, um, an issue with the lower esophageal sphincter, things like that, where like physically... They just are going to be getting acid into places where it's not supposed to be. So taking a PPI to help lower stomach acid can actually be really beneficial. But for most individuals who aren't dealing with any kind of actual like physical impairment to their digestive tract in any way, shape or form, you're likely dealing with low stomach acid. The basic reason why is because... If you have low stomach acid, that lower esophageal sphincter that I just mentioned doesn't shut all the way. You have to produce enough stomach acid in order for that to trigger the closure of that lower esophageal sphincter. And if it doesn't close, well, that acid is going to shoot through there and that's where you can get some symptoms like heartburn. Okay. So 
you don't need to be on PPIs or antacids long term most of the time. And you really shouldn't be. What ends up happening is you get it from the doctor, they give it to you and they just keep, you just keep taking it because you don't know to not take it because you were never given a solution other than taking a medication to reduce the acute symptom of having heartburn. But really we need to deal likely more with the fact that you have some lifestyle factors causing low stomach acid that are then resulting in these additional digestive issues. And again, like I said, herniations or physical issues with different parts of the digestive tract um, can lead to too much acid being released, but supporting with a PPI to reduce that damage can still go alongside a lot of the lifestyle recommendations that I'm going to have here. I've had clients that have had these like, you know, herniations and issues like this. And while they have to maybe be on PPIs long-term, we've been able to really reduce their reliance on them. They use them at a much lower dose or at a much more in a much more infrequent usage of them more as needed versus like maintaining them. And we've improved their overall digestive health. Okay. So what do we need to know about low stomach acid? What causes it? Okay. Chronic dieting. <laughs> Right. I just said earlier, you know, you need to produce enough stomach acid to close that lower esophageal sphincter. Um, and one of the biggest reasons why you would not produce a good quantity of stomach acid is by not eating enough food. Um, you, the amount of food you eat will typically correlate to the amount of stomach acid that your body is going to produce. So if you're chronically in a calorie deficit, and especially these like really low calorie diets that can be very popular for people to get results and you're chronically in that low calorie state, you're likely not going to be producing a good quantity of stomach acid. Okay. Um, poor nutrient intake and stress can also impact the amount of stomach acid that you're producing in addition to the amount of digestive enzymes that accompany that. Um, but the biggest issue with low stomach acid is what it leads to over the long term, and that's imbalances in bacteria. Okay, that's where you can get dysbiosis, which is an imbalance, um, or SIBO, which is an even bigger imbalance, is a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Um, but the other thing we have to also consider is that stomach acid and, it, and those enzymes that we produce is the first line of defense for the body's immune system for pathogenic bacteria. And if you have low stomach acid, you're likely not going to be able to fight off those pathogens in the most effective way possible. Um, and that's why it's important to consider low stomach acid as a potential issue. Now, how do you identify for sure that you have low stomach acid? Well, the, the easiest way to do it is I have actually like a digestive questionnaire that I will give people. And based on the biofeedback or the, the, the set of symptoms they experience on a frequent basis, that can kind of tell us where if they're having too much or too little. Um, and most of the time, it's that they are having too little stomach acid. And a lot of times too, we can determine if this is a low stomach acid issue just by making some changes. And that kind of confirms by default, okay, cool, this is what we were dealing with. Um, so fun things that we can do to support low stomach acid and improve your digestive health, chewing your food, 
<laughs> um, so making it easier for your body to break down your food by chewing your food thoroughly. This means like not scarfing down your food um, and eating not constantly in a calorie deficit. Most people should exist at maintenance calories, maintenance intake for the majority of their lives, which is not a sexy thing. Like you don't see a lot of physique changes during a maintenance phase, but boy, oh boy, if you could stay in maintenance for a few years and just work out and sleep really well and manage your stress and get like a really solid, like variety of nutrients into your diet over that time, you are going to be in stellar shape, my friends. I have a lot of clients where we spend a lot of time just at maintenance, really locking in a lot of solid behaviors and routines, and they will see physique changes during that time. But more often, it's an improvement in digestive health. It's an improvement in mental clarity, so reduction in brain fog. It's improving their PMS symptoms. It's getting their thyroid functioning better, and then that helps their metabolism. So that's all done usually at maintenance calories, right? You can't recover your hormones or your digestive health typically in a calorie deficit, and there's few situations where I would recommend leveraging a calorie deficit to treat sort of the acute issues that people can deal with from a digestive health standpoint or a, a hormone health standpoint. Okay. Meal timing can help with this too. So like, actually, like if you are dealing with eating, uh, too small of meals and you're dealing with some heartburn, maybe make your meals a little bit bigger. Conversely, if you're eating bigger meals and you're dealing with a lot of excess fullness, your body's probably not able to break down that food effectively, split up into smaller meals throughout the day. Um, and so just kind of make that choice depending on how you're feeling um, after you eat. So pay attention to that. Um, not napping after meals is a really good one. Just from like a from a physical standpoint, maybe don't go horizontal after eating a big meal. Um and then more variation in your diet, getting in more food to help balance out the bacteria to support the acid and the enzymes and the microbiome. This doesn't need to be crazy. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Just swap out one or two things every week. If you're a creature of habit, this is a really great opportunity to really make sure that you're inoculating your gut microbiome in a healthy way by changing up a fruit, changing up a veggie, changing up a protein. And it can be as simple as that. Okay. So those are my favorite functional strategies for supporting low stomach acid, right? Meal size, meal timing, chewing your food. And then we also have, right? Stress management, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing me say that, but I'm never going to get sick of talking about it. Implementing a proactive stress management strategy is also going to reduce digestive stress and make it easier for your body to break down and absorb nutrients and reduce the amount of excess bacteria that can build up due to lack of digested food or due to an excess of undigested food, I suppose, because of low stomach acid. So working on your stress management, I won't bore you with, you know, more details on stress management. I'll be talking about it over and over again, but go listen to, I believe it's episode 31, where I actually did like a full ass episode on 
proactive stress management, where we talk about building and stress management techniques on a consistent daily basis, not just when you feel like you're about to blow your top essentially. All right, you guys now final word, if you are struggling, you don't know where to start with your hormone health journey. You feel a little bit lost. You're like, I don't know if it's my thyroid. Is it my stress? Is it my adrenals and my stress response? Is it maybe leaky gut syndrome that you might be dealing with? Are you dealing with estrogen dominance? I have a free quiz for you that I have linked down below in the show notes. You can also DM me to my Instagram DMs. Just pop the word quiz in the DMs. I'll know exactly what you're looking for and I will send it your way or you can find it in the show notes below. It's 100% free and it gives you some information that you should know about these systems within your bodies depending on your outcome and also some safe and effective strategies to potentially get started on that part of your journey. So DM me quiz or check out the link in the show notes below. If you are wanting to get started on your journey, but you're not quite sure where to start. That's a wrap for today. My friends, I will catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.